Respect. Sevome. Respeto. Spoštujmo. Respect words. Ithiki dimosiografia ja ti nadimetopisi tis ritorikis tumisus. Etično novinarstvo proti sovražnemu govoru. Il potere delle parole. Respect for worten, respect for menschen gegen hasreden. Atisztelethangján szólunk. Riportok, interjúk, tudósítások a gyűlöletbeszéd ellen. Mi becsüljük a másikat. Respect. La onda local de Andalucía contra los discursos de odio. Más or oco? Erisorok de etikul, egwene kainte fuha. Ethical journalism against hate speech. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Hello and welcome to this, our final episode of the series Respect Words, in which we've been looking at hate speech from every angle. Now, Doni, we've come to the end of the series. I found it a very interesting series. We had such interesting guests and how do you feel it went and what do you think you got it? I think it was a long 20 weeks. (laughs) And it was long in, in several aspects. Number one, obviously, it was missing for some of it, but... I think as we came to the end of it, what really came to light is the fact that maybe as a society we're not as pure and as far along as we'd like to think we are. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. When you think about it, you were going back to one of our earlier shows and you played the the Lynette song about Ode to a Black Man uh-huh. and thinking that the Ireland that he was growing up in or the Dublin that he was growing up in, he may have been the only... He would, he would certainly be, I would imagine, in his time mm. or at that time, should I say, he would certainly have been the most recognisable black man mm-hmm. on the streets of Dublin. And, you know, we'll come right forward to today... And it would appear that with all the education, all the media uh, surrounding it, student programs like our own, that there are a lot of people out there who still have uh, racist attitudes. Yes. I mean, even just last week you spoke to Joella Yamini and it was horrendous to think that still, uh, after seeing Leo Varadkar, after having so much publicity in the press, to think that only the previous week she'd had more racist slurs. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I went down to Dryad, I spoke to Joella, and uh, she gained national notoriety because of her uh, the media attention surrounding her when she became Taoiseach for a day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she spoke very clearly about the racist uh, abuse that she had suffered prior to that, which mm-hmm. brought her to the attention of... of uh, of uh, UNICEF and through that she became Taoiseach for a day but as you will hear in this clip uh, very little has changed for Joella. I came to Ireland I started experiencing like people t- treating me different due of, of course to my because I'm black and I would get random people shouting at me in the streets um, one time a guy spat on my face and called me the n-word it was really it was it was a um, it was eye-opening and really difficult to adjust to. I wasn't familiar with this whatsoever. Back at home, we never used to have this. And I used to go to a multicultural school, and we all just treated each other well. Race never came into question. But when I came here, I was like treated differently. People would look at me differently. I walk down the street, I'll be shouted at, and it's just really weird, to be honest. And 
what did you do in relation to that? Do you mind me asking? Did you go home and tell your parents? Did you? Yeah, obviously I would go home and tell my mom, and she would she would always respond like, "There's nothing really you could do because these are just people who are passing by. They don't know anything about you." So she would always tell me that empty tins make a lot of noise, so just keep walking. And there you go, Adrian. You can see mm-hmm. there it is, and. You know, we will at some stage later on, maybe during the course of our chat today, play that fill in the track over to a black man. And maybe people, when they listen back to this or when they're listening to it, maybe they could listen to the lyrics and see how much things haven't changed. Yes, yes. Um, (coughs) Now, we also spoke, I mean, we went into Islamophobia and I was speaking to James Carr and I thought it was very interesting what he had to say with regards to hate speech and we'll just listen to that now. That term, hate speech, is, is problematic in, in its own way in that what we talk about is, is not just hate speech. Hate speech is one aspect, um, but if we talk about hate crime and hostility, if we can just use the terms maybe for a second such as um, hostility and discrimination, uh, might be a little bit more, um, I guess, real to people. Oftentimes when we talk about hate speech, um, you'll get people who say, oh, look, you know, you can't penalise what people are saying, you shouldn't penalise thought and so forth. This is not about penalising a person's thought or their freedom of thought. It's about engaging with those people who engage with acts that are uh, anti-Muslim or racist or, or, or in a broader sense. Um, that involve, for example, um, shouting abuse at someone uh, on the street, telling someone to go home even though they're, they're black and they're Irish or they're Muslim and black and Irish or whatever. Um, or um, treating somebody uh, in terms of accessing um, services uh, with less respect and less uh, dignity and with a poorer service or even no service at all simply because they're of their identity. Um, and hate crime can manifest against groups and hate and hostility and discrimination can manifest against groups based on one's skin colour, one's religious identities, one's yes. sexualities, um, gender identity, whether a person is living with a disability or not. Um, so hate speech itself is only one facet of, of a broader thing. Yes. I mean, we can talk about what we feel as, as the programme makers in relation to this, but I suppose also maybe that we should talk about what we took away from it. Mm. Uh, and the, there was a couple of different phrases that kept popping up as as we were talking to an absolute unbelievable range of different people mm. surrounding this. But the one word that seemed to come back time and time again was stereotyping. Mm. You know, it's just, it, it seems to me that irrespective of the efforts that have been made, I won't say to educate people, but just to, I suppose, give them a true picture of mm. different ethnic groups and different ethnic minorities they're still, they like to tell everybody with the one brush and stereotyping is alive and well. Mm-hmm. But Donny, to me, that's a very narrow-minded way of thinking and that's what I was hoping the whole programme would bring that out and then show people that really we're all the same underneath it all. We all deserve respect and we're all, we're all the same. The key to changing that is probably with education. That's where it's going to start in the schools. I played a great song there on one of the the shows, which was We All Bleed the Same. And I'm going to play a little extract from that now. We all bleed the same We're more beautiful when we come together We all bleed the same So tell me Woke up today, another headline, 
Another innocent life is taken in the name of hatred. So hard to take. And if we think that it's all good, then we're mistaken. 'Cause my heart is breaking. Tell it, Deez. Are you left? Are you right? Pointing fingers, taking sides. The words of that are just so poignant. It's very true. You know, whether we're black or white, it doesn't matter where we come from, what religious backgrounds, what ethnic backgrounds, we are the same underneath it all. And um, I asked Shane O'Curry on uh, one of the programmes to just maybe try to encompass the... Uh, about hate speech in, in a sentence or so. And he said this, and I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, so the, the main thing about hate speech is that Hate, hate speech dehumanizes people. It creates the conditions in which it's okay for other forms of, of hatred, including discrimination and violence, to happen to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we engage in hate speech, we are devaluing the humanity of someone else and leaving them susceptible to be discriminated against mm-hmm. or assaulted or worse. Um, and um, hate speech is at one end of a spectrum of yeah. hatred, which yeah. leads all the way to genocide. Mm-hmm. And there's no place for it in our society. Now, there you go. You uh, know, from hate speech, like even cyberbullying, yeah. we yeah. discussed that. And from this little seed can grow to become genocide. And I mean, you're, you're talking about, about cyberbullying. I mean, as we, as we well know, in this country alone, the amount of suicides which have resulted from cyberbullying. Now, I would imagine, or I would like to think, now maybe I'm very innocent in my imagination and thinking, but I would imagine and think that the person who was the perpetrator of the cyberbullying never intended for the victim to go and take their own life. But it is, it's just a microcosm of how something like that mm-hmm. can spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as we have seen, and and you know, we we can take it really condense it down small, or we can open it up in the to the entire world. If something is said often enough by people in power, mm-hmm. irrespective of whether it's true or false, it becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think like that a, a, a big problem is that there has been a dumbing down of people across the world, and that you know where we should be questioning mm-hmm. more. I think a lot of people are more accepting rather than questioning. Yes, yes. And as you say, and it proves it there, when you have somebody who is prepared to spout out the vitriol that you, you hear coming out of some people's mouths, all it takes is a couple of people who aren't maybe as mentally strong or as questioning mm. as they should be to take this as gospel, I run know. with it, and all of a sudden they do something totally off the wall and here we go.
But it just goes to show you were saying you mentioned think and when you said that I was feel if they were on the receiving end of this hate speech or this uh, discrimination or prejudice how they would feel and I think that's what we need to to all think a little bit I, more I, of I others. Th- I thoroughly agree with you Adrian and you know as a nation as an, and as an island nation particularly with such a strong history and I know this is going to be thrown up all the time but mm-hmm. with such a strong history of immigration and not have been being received I know. too well mm-hmm. in a lot of countries yes. and we still persevered and became you know mighty everywhere might around everywhere the world we went. Yeah. I mean everywhere the Irish were very clever like because they, they copped on very fast like that the seat where the seat of power lay and that's what they targeted mm-hmm. I mean there was a time in New York where the Irish ran everything mm. from local government to the police to the fire brigade right up to Washington right up they ran the whole mm-hmm. the whole gambit mm. so for an island nation that has either immigrated or exported its people mm-hmm. to treat people who come here as immigrants uh, disrespectfully yes you know, we have a short memory. I, I thought that as well. I spoke about that when I had the Eastern European people in and we were talking about that. And we actually mentioned where the signs were no dogs, no blacks, no Irish. You know, and to come from that and not have some empathy or sympathy towards others, I I just couldn't believe it, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, it, it, and you can understand, I suppose... You know, you hear quite a lot. And only the other day I heard from somebody saying, you know, well, that's fair enough. You know, I was speaking to them about the way refugees, because I'd spoken to a refugee from direct provision. And I was talking to him about this guy. And oh gosh, the stories he had, which was on our Respect Words uh, series. And he he said, yeah, yeah, I know. He was, you know, it's terrible. But, and it was like, what about our own? We have to look after our own first. Um, but I think... The problem is that the infrastructure isn't in place. Governments have let us down in the past up to now and they haven't been looking after our own. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, Adrian, if you just want to to discuss that very briefly for 10 seconds, direct provision has been in place for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Every report that has ever been commissioned in relation to direct provision has proved it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Nolene Blackwell, whom we will hear from shortly, made a very valid point, I thought, um, that you know, direct provision seemed to be fine mm. when it was them over there and the foreigners that were in it. Mm. But now with the homeless crisis, the family homes and hotels are basically direct provision for the Irish. Yes. And now all of a sudden, maybe it's not such a good idea. But mm. I mean, eighteen years. Ian O'Reardon, the former uh, junior minister with responsibility for direct provision, did say that originally when it was set up, it was six months. Eighteen years later, you know, six months is the maximum that anybody should spend in direct provision. There's We've people ten and more correct, years correct. in. Yes, you know. yes. But I can understand when people are saying that, you know, and it's like, oh, we'll look after our own. But when we went and we had to emigrate, as we still are now in huge numbers, when we had the slump there, most of our graduates had to emigrate to other countries. They want to be taken in, you know, and given opportunities in these countries. 
So we really need to, we can't say on one hand, oh, we're going to take 5,000 refugees, bring them in here and then have nowhere to put them, have nothing, no, no infrastructure in place. So that really needs to be looked at, um, yeah, along with our own housing prices. The answer across the board, uh, and just, I'm just, well, we're just discussing the actual uh, direct provision aspect of it, but and you're quite right in what you're saying, yeah, Jan. But the the official attitude seems to be, well, uh, we have to take because of the percentage that's allocated to us. So in this instance, we have to take. I'm just plucking a figure here out of thin air, six and a half thousand. Now, as you say, there is no thought put into proper infrastructures mm-hmm. or provisions for them. But that doesn't seem to matter because it's a case of right. Listen, make a couple of phone calls there, find an empty building and we'll warehouse them there and that's the end of it. I know. And then we are deemed, says he with his fingers in the air, Mm. to have complied with our... uh, done our bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Question for you. What did you take from it? Well, I I suppose my my answer to that would be twofold. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed producing and being part of the, the, the series. I really enjoyed being given the opportunity to do this Respect Word series was brilliant, but I, I actually learned so much. But I was firstly amazed but dismayed at the level of prejudice in Ireland and that so many people have to put up with hate speech and this type of prejudice on a daily basis. Um, and just because of their race or their colour of their skin, that they're part of a particular ethnic minority, such as the travelling community or the Roma uh, or LGBT. Um, l- listening to the story of Jolene, as we spoke earlier, um, to think that she has to put up with, you know, that to think that somebody would think it was OK to spit in someone's face because of the colour of their skin, to call them the N-word, to treat them in such a way and think that was fine. Um, That to me is quite upsetting. And also I was very upset to hear the reality and the horror of direct provision and how refugees and asylum seekers are being treated um, here in Ireland. Beautiful, welcoming Ireland, you know, of the Cade Meal of Falcher, the 100,000 welcomes, the Ireland of 100,000 welcomes. That, to me, that was upsetting. Um, I don't think people would ever have thought that they were being treated in in such a manner. And I really feel that something needs to be done in that respect um, to give them the respect they they need and are deserving of, um, to, to let them work here and contribute to this uh, community and not have them basically locked up um, and not able to live their lives properly. But then I suppose on the other side then um, I was uplifted to to speak to the likes of James Carr um, and listen to the work that he himself and his team in Limerick University are doing, the research they're doing. They're trying to come up with strategic plans to put forward to government to legislate against hate speech. Also, Shane O'Curry of ENAR, the European Network Against Racism, working tirelessly on anti-racism campaigns, the No to Hate Speech campaign, and also trying to legislate against hate speech. Uh, Theresa Butchkowska um, of the Immigrant Council of Ireland and other such agencies. It was good to hear the, the positive stories there and how they're 
trying to fight hate speech and to help bring about um, a respect for, for, for others. And of course, I was d- delighted to speak with uh, Ken McHugh of Sari, uh, Sports Against Racism Ireland, and then also Show Racism, the Red Card and the Belong To campaign. So these things would uplift you to think that there, there is hope. There is hope and that hopefully people will see that it is a right to to have respect that um, everybody deserves respect and to say no to hate speech. So I suppose in that way, it, it, was a, it was a good series to be involved in. I'm just thinking while you're talking there, we could have done this in 30 seconds. <laughs> we really could have. Yes. Now, of course, we, we had to open it and we had to, mm. to, to show, I suppose, and to, mm. to highlight and to speak to people directly involved, etc., etc., Really and truly, 10 seconds could have done this. Yes. Treat other people the way you would like to be treated yourself exactly. or the way you would like your family members to be treated. Yes. It's a very, very simple mm-hmm. maxim and it's a very, very simple way to live your life. Yes, yes, yes. It's the way I try to live my life. Do unto others as you'd like, done unto yourself. And another thing, we could have just encapsulated the whole thing in Nolene Blackwell's comment on the actual title of the series Respect Words and what she said all about just respect that's what it's all about Well why don't we listen to what Nolan Blackwell had to say She thought that Respect Words was a great title for the programme Why was that Nolan? I love it I love the, the sort of pun that it is, that you can read it in different ways or you can hear it in different ways but most of all I love it because the Irish people are really um really understand the word respect. I think we understand it more than anything else. Having respect for yourself, having respect for other people is something that we in Ireland will talk about quite regularly. Um, And I was particularly struck by it once years ago when in fact I was talking to some people whom I knew but not very well. And we were just talking about people who had come to Ireland looking for asylum and were in direct provision for far too long as it happened. And one of the women who was in the group said, "Um, that's not respectful. And I thought that was wonderful. She wasn't saying it was illegal. She wasn't saying anything other than that it wasn't showing respect. So that idea of respect, if we could really all better understand it, if we could better live up to the idea of respect for ourselves and respect for others, I think we would have a better society. And the other thing is, and this is all about words as well, this this series of programmes, respect words is so important. Words can be so damaging. Words have the, the capacity to harm other people, to harass them to do them damage. And so, for a whole lot of reasons, to get that phrase into our heads, respect words, respect their capacity to do good and respect their capacity to do harm, and then live with that concept of respect. I think it's it's a great way to live a life. And that was Nolene Blackwell, CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and former CEO of Amnesty International Ireland and a qualified solicitor as well. So somebody who really was in a very good position to talk about all aspects of this. We mentioned Joella earlier on and how 
to this day, she mm. and her family are still being uh, racially abused. And in tandem with that, we spoke about probably the most recognisable black man on the streets of Dublin for many years, <laughs> Philip Linnet, or the late Phil Linnet, as he was known, who consequently is only buried just out the road from here in St. Fintan's mm. graveyard, by the way. So anybody who is in there, go over and say a prayer over Philip. This is his um, track, Ode to a Black Man. When you listen to that, Adrian, the f- very poignant. The, the words of uh, a former Tisha comes to mind. Oh. A lot done, more to do. <laughs> well, with that, we'll say goodbye from our series of respect words. We really enjoyed bringing it to you and hope you've enjoyed listening and maybe it's given you food for thought. And do remember to think before you speak. Bye-bye. Bye. Respect. Sevome. Respeto. Spostuimo. Respect words. Ithiki dimosiografia ya tin adimetopisi tis ritorikis tumisus. Etichno novinarstvo proti sovražnemu govoru. Il potere delle parole. Respect for worten. Respect for menschen gegen hassreden. Otistarat hangian solo. Riportok, interjúk, tudósítások a gyűlöletbeszéd ellen. Mi becsüljük a másikat. Respect. La onda local de Andalucía contra los discursos de odio. Más or oco? Erisorg de etikul, iguana kainta fuha. Ethical journalism against hate speech. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Respect words. Supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union.